Welcome to Another Day Above Ground, a show for, by, and about baby boomers. It's the podcast for people who have no idea how to download a podcast. And now, here's your host, Dale Irvin. Hey, baby boomer buddies and babes, this is the show for you. It's all, uh, another day above ground, which is what we're all happy that we are. And it's the show for baby boomers, where we're going to discuss things relevant to you. Now, I say we, I do it with my two partners, of course. Let me introduce them first from uh, the state of Colorado in the Mile High City of Denver. Please welcome Carolyn Strauss. Hey, everybody. I would say happy summer, but happy is not a word I use when it's 100 degrees in June. It's 100 degrees in Colorado. It's supposed to be that here tomorrow. Yeah. What? Stop. It's just got to stop. Just sit on a block of ice. That's what I do. Stay cool oh, okay. all day. Put the black <laughs> ice in the tub and sit on it. And, you you know, you're, you're good. Stay good. That's kind of brilliant. Do you keep it in your ice box, Dale? No, I have it delivered. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. The Iceman cometh. <laughs> and from the state of Indiana, please welcome the Aristotle of comedy, Mr. Tim Slagle. Hey, uh, I thought I had COVID there for a while because I lost my sense of taste. I actually enjoyed Bridgerton. Carolyn actually did have COVID, didn't you? I did. I did. This past week, I had COVID. It was like, for the first two days, it was like a really bad flu, and then it just became an annoying little cold. Nothing hurt, no sore throat, no nothing. You can probably hear I'm still a teeny bit stuffy, but I'm completely fine. Did did you lose your sense of taste? Did you I... start wearing green and blue together, or <laughs> stripes and black? I was I was all of a sudden attracted to orange, and I just could not figure it out. It's the new black. No. So. Yeah. I did actually, though. I did actually lose my sense of taste for two days, which made me want to eat things like rhubarb and celery because I don't like them, and I figured this is the time to do it when I can't taste them. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the perfect time. You never like I hate beets i would never eat a beet but if i lost my sense of taste i might try and chomp one down but we can go out to dinner anytime you want i will eat your beets they are like one of my favorite food they're like they're sweet they're so sweet how do you not like them because they're disgusting and they and that i I hate them and you can eat my beets i'll eat your steak it'll be perfect (laughs) that is absolutely perfect perfect here's a little here's a little warning if you eat a lot of beets uh the next day you're gonna think that you're seriously ill Yes, Yes. it's like asparagus. If you eat beets and asparagus, asparagus. you are not going to have a nice day the next day. Then you go to the washroom at the ballpark and all the guys in there go, whoa, the hell is wrong with you? You know, one of the things about uh, being a baby boomer is you, you, you wind up saying, you know, what else is there? Why, you know, why don't people listen to me anymore? Why is everything in a turmoil? Well, how do we get out of this situation? And the reason is that we have the wrong outlook on life. So what we did this week at, at great personal expense is we contacted a professional joyologist. Is Steve Wilson, who is the head of the World Laughter Tour, and he is a professional joyologist. Steve, welcome to Another Day Above Ground. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I'm looking forward to this. First thing I have to ask you is, what is joyology? Is that some sort of a religion? 
you know, is uh, is, do you have a uh, uh, you know, is is Sid Caesar a saint or what? What is joyology? Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Now you're giving me good ideas. Uh, joy, uh, joy is you know, joy has like a deep kind of a happiness, uh, contentment. And ology is a suffix in the English language that means a study of. So I've tried to study how do we get happy. How do we get deep sense of contentment? Are there tools? Are there things we could learn to have more of that in our lives? And I decided to call myself a joyologist. I was going to ask you if there were tools too, but that's a different question. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. I, I just figured, I must really, I trained as a psychologist and I reached a point where I felt that the world didn't need any more psychologists, but could use maybe a joyologist. Sure, because, you know, you'd be the only one and you'd stick out in the listings. That's a very good idea. What is your description of joy? It's a deep contentment. It's a deep kind of a happiness. Okay, so it's similar. It's the opposite of angst, which is what, you know, I feel. <laughs> I've got so angst part- in my pants. <laughs> so so in order to be a joyologist, I'm guessing you have to partner often with a mixologist. Some people do. Yeah, depends what you're mixing. We like mixing chocolate. Oh, uh, see, that's Carolyn's sweet spot there. No pun intended, chocolate. She'll do anything for chocolate. Not it's, anything, one of my, but it's one of the six important practices that I am helping people to cultivate in order to prevent hardening of the attitudes. Ah, there you go. There you go. But doesn't doesn't chocolate then, you know, it may make you happy, but doesn't it, you know, is it bad for you? Is it good for you? Chocolate is uh, is basically good for you, especially the dark chocolate. We have new science coming in over the last five or so years. uh, People are actually studying chocolate uh, and the high cacao, uh, versions uh, uh, seem to stimulate uh, certain brain waves, and it and it's really good for you. It helps you feel good, helps you think better, helps you be more relaxed. Uh, but I use the term chocolate as a symbolic metaphor. It stands for all the things that are sweet in your life. We got so, chocolate for we got chocolate from the Aztecs. Did did you know that the Aztecs? And uh, how how many of those do you see around today? Yeah, huh? I think they live next door to me. <laughs> I'm gonna go over there and ask them for some chocolate. <laughs> hey Pam, call the Aztecs. See what they have. Ah, <laughs> oh, they're up on the pyramid again. Wait till they come down. <laughs> Wait, here comes one. Oh no, that's just a sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> they have, no, a, you, have a Rorschach test there. It's the Inca blocks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> now, now, you said that you lead, uh, you know, you lead people towards how to find more joy. And one of the things that I, I read in is, is that you lead happiness workouts. But it said there's no jokes and there's no comedy. Which really, Tim and I take great offense to, because that's how we make a living. That and, was somebody else. Gail, I got to stop you. That's somebody else's material you're reading. I love jokes. I I am all about jokes and humor. Uh, there are some people in this uh, 
kind of a loose word laughter movement, you might call that. Now, I'll let you have fun with that, too. But there is a, a humor and laughter movement going on that people are very interested. Uh, and some uh, really avoid jokes and comedy. And I think the ones that I've seen that do that are not very good at telling jokes. And so they said, so let's find another way. We call but them millennials. Anything that that gets you into true mirth, into real pleasant uh, amusement and, and entertainment and feeling amused, uh, whether it's a joke, uh, whether it's something you read, whether it's a movie, whether it's a bumper sticker, get it any way you can. Unt There's a lot of new science coming in. It's just not terrific science, but it's, it's, it's the beginning for us. Until the scientists get it all worked out, get all the laughs you can, any way you want. That's okay. That's my approach. I've had a, I've had a laughter movement, and then when I was done, I went. <laughs> I wouldn't go in there if I were you. I know a lot of people <laughs> did not laugh after that. I remember. <laughs> So what what do you do uh, in, in your courses then to to tell people to to lighten up? What what do you have do you have like exercises and things? Yeah, there's different things. It, it, you know, it's important to, I think uh, to understand that uh, first of all, I think funny is not in the material. I, not in mine for sure. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that. I wasn't going to bring it up, but since you did, uh, but funny. Uh, people have been trying to analyze what makes things funny. What is humor? Uh, and, and they do it by looking at the material. Uh, I don't think that's how we're ever going to finally understand funny. Uh, just as we know that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And so is funny. Uh, funny is in you, your sense of humor, your attitude, your approach, uh, which may be unique and personal to you. Uh, we will not understand humor until we understand people and we can help people locate and develop their own senses of humor. There's a general way that uh, I talk about sense of humor. Uh, I'll give you a couple of uh, quick definitions. One is the ability to find absurdity in adversity. The ability okay. to find absurdity in adversity, that is a kind of a sense of humor. Uh, another one that I like is the ability to uh, locate the less serious part of a situation. Uh, okay. I, so had that I had that happen to me yesterday. I hired a guy to do some rototilling in my yard, and he's doing it as a side job. He's primarily a plumber. So he came here in his plumber's truck, and I went outside just to watch him unload the rototiller because my neighbors had to be thinking, oh, my God, what what did he eat now? Who else is he burying? But yeah, I agree with you. Find the uh, find the humor in a bad situation. Find the humor in an everyday situation. And uh, and what else? Well, humor has gotten a bad rap in in, uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, we get admonished. Uh, what's so funny? What are you laughing at? When are you going to grow up? When are you going to quit your giggling? Get back to work. We're not here to have fun. 
uh, all kinds of wrong-headed, in my mind, uh, ideas about humor. And we get people to avoid it, to deny it. But when we ask people and question them closely, we find out that most people really want to be known for having a sense of humor. That seems to be a good quality. Uh, but so there's a lot of confusion. I want to help straighten that out uh, by getting people to have permission to be in humor, permission to understand their own personality, uh, their own attitudes. Uh, and then they can learn uh, that, for instance, when a situation happens, be aware that it has many different components, any situation got a financial component, a family component, a religious component, a community component, or whatever. We can walk all around it. Not all sides of any situation are equally bad or difficult. Some are less serious. And if you, you can train, you can learn how to look for the less serious, just, just for a couple minutes. You know, when you find the lighter side of something, and my advice is learn how to lighten up, not tighten up. Uh, so uh, when you when you learn how to do that, uh, and you say, "Oh, I see that," that's kind of funny. I get you get a little relief uh, from seeing the lighter side of things, uh, and uh, that happens instantly in your brain, in your central nervous system, and all of the wonderful things that we now know are associated physically, physiologically, with being in humor and seeing and having a laugh uh, happens instantly. Uh, you don't have to wait for it. As soon as you get that warm feeling, that little giggle, that little smile comes on your face, you're changing your brain chemistry and every system in your body is getting a signal, get, get healthy. We're, we're relaxing. We're discharging emotional tension. We're having some relief because we see that things maybe are not always so bad as we thought they were. And, and we can walk people through activities and exercises and just give them the facts, give them the information. And uh, they turn out to enjoy life a little more. I worked with Dave Barry one time. Uh, it was a show I was emceeing and he was speaking on and afterwards they had question and answer for him. And somebody asked him, said, what made you decide to be funny? He said, it's very simple, and I'm sure Dale will back me up on this. That's how you get girls. <laughs> Christopher Hitchens got in a lot of trouble for saying that. He actually, really? Yeah, he actually said there's a reason why most comedians tend to be men. Is be It's evolutionary, is because if you can't make a girl laugh, you're never going to have sex with her. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting because years ago, when I first started getting involved in this whole topic and was really uh, intrigued by it and thought we could do some good for people here, uh, I became aware of gender differences in uh, the appeal of humor, the use of humor, the type of humor. Uh, Red Book Magazine uh, years ago did a study of sexual harassment complaints at work. They felt that 80% of those complaints came about because of inappropriate joking. Uh, By an ugly were, guy. Yeah, who came up and said, here, pull my finger. And she goes, well, that's not your finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if the guy's good looking, that's not harassment, that's flirting. 
But I think it's real important to understand that men and women in general have not looked at humor the same way or used it the same way. Uh, I, now I don't know what's going on. Now that we have uh, gender fluidity uh, in our society, I, I'm really wondering where that's going to go. Uh, because it's not just how do men look at humor and how women look at humor, but how do they look at humor? So how do the been, LB? If you've ever been on one of those dating sites, the the first thing a woman says that she's looking for a man is a man who's funny and can make her laugh. That is the first in the first top three things that she says that she's looking for. You know, after money and a really good car. So I mean, it's important. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that's just mine. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I'll believe in gen- I'll believe in gender fluidity when I see- when I meet a woman that laughs at the Three Stooges. <laughs> There you go. There you I go. Like that. Very good. That's a good. That's great. That's good. But uh, there are, you know, in general, uh, little boys have been taught to be the source of humor. Gender role training for little boys has been you be the source of the joke. You be the source of the humor. And for little girls, for a long time, it was uh, you be the audience. You, 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 you be the reactor. Uh, and, and that is obviously that has changed dramatically, but it still exists. We still have to overcome some of that. So I think we, you know, that's, we can go down that. We can unpack that a little bit and, and take a look at it. Uh, but, uh, uh, I think that the way society is changing, it's going to be a remarkable thing to uh, look at. There was a woman named Barbara Makoff, an attorney, and she wrote a book called What Mona Lisa Knew. Uh, It had to do with women using humor at work, because one of the things that we know is when we interview personnel directors and uh, folks in human resources about who's a good candidate for hiring or who's a good candidate for promotion, sense of humor and, and the display of good, healthy humor at work, it gives you an advantage. Well, Women have not done that too much. How, what's a woman to do? There's been a double standard in our society for a long time, especially at work. A man tells a joke at work and a woman tells the same joke. There's a good chance they will not be received or interpreted the same way. That's because the, the woman, woman doesn't can... know how to tell it. She... <laughs> oh. Carolyn, jump in any time. Oh. She can't. She has no defense for that. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally, that's kind of true. But that's just, <laughs> I'll admit it's true when I'm, when I'm outmatched. I will admit when I am outmatched. Yeah, but you're very funny. I've listened to the podcasts. I've I've heard some. I've heard what you do. You can be funny. You know, wow. you really can. Thanks. And it has nothing to do. Uh, well, it has something to do with gender, but not what people think it is. Right. She's, um, she's our, our, the other side of, of Tim and I. She's the complete, the polar opposite to what we are, and that's what makes this whole uh, little show work, you know? Thank you could hear a lot of people out in the audience saying, thank God. <laughs> a, lo- a, lot of, a lot of people? <laughs> Apparently you didn't look at the numbers below the podcast you listened to. You don't hear them, Tim? I'm hearing them. 
we are one of the top-rated comedy podcasts in Mexico, yeah. and uh, I I don't know how that happened, but but we are, and so you know, bueno, everybody. Have you ever played that one game with with your people? We used to do it in in school, where everybody lays on the floor and you put your head on somebody else's stomach, and then somebody puts their head on your stomach. And you start laughing, and pretty soon you just can't stop laughing because your head bouncing up and down, and everybody's laughing. Have you ever? Isn't that, that? how orgies start? Yes. No, you can do this one fully clothed, Carol. Oh God, yeah, I was never invited to those parties. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the others. <laughs> no, sometimes it's not as funny. Yeah, no, I always say if you want to laugh, I'll get undressed. It's all good. I can be really funny. <laughs> Henny Henny Youngman had a, a, a joke. He said he went to his doctor, and the uh, doctor said, "I want you to get undressed and go stand by the window." And uh, the uh, patient said, "What? Why is that?" He says, "I'm mad at my neighbor." <laughs> I I actually worked with Henny Youngman once too. He was on a TV show that I was part of uh, back in the '90s in New York. And that was a talk show, and I was like Ed McMahon. So Henny Youngman comes out, he's being interviewed by the host, who's Clint Holmes. And I'm sitting next to him for the whole show, and it was during Christmas time. So afterwards, everybody got up to sing some Christmas carol. And he's, he's singing away, looks at me, and he goes, who the hell are you? I said, I, I was sitting next to you for the last hour. <laughs> ah, I thought you were my son. I didn't know how he got out here. So that was it. Let's the end of his career and, and his life, as a matter of fact. So what what uh, what do you have a recommendation for baby boomers now, who are our primary audience, to, to add more joy, more fun, more laughter into their lives? What should they do on a daily basis? Well, I think that one thing is... Um, Learn how to take the joke on yourself. Okay. And that and that will make your life very funny. Tom, you don't laugh at yourself, other that, people you, will. Yeah. Tom Dreesen. Tom Dreesen. <laughs> Tom Dreesen said that once. Is uh, you know somebody says, oh, I got a great sense of humor. The other day, Mary uh, got her coat caught in the car door, and I laughed like hell. And uh, <laughs> it's like, no, 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 that, that's not a sense of humor. That's that's mocking. Uh, w- sense of humor is when you get your coat de- caught in the car door and you laugh like hell. That's right. Exactly. That's exactly. a good example. That's right. So I think that this is one of the things we try to get across is uh, it, it's good to laugh. And there's such a thing as healthy humor. Uh, we try to make a distinction, healthy and unhealthy humor, because humor uh, can be very hurtful. Uh, there are zingers and insults and ways of putting people down and ridiculing people. Uh, Some of them will uh, get you slapped on a public stage. Apparently. <laughs> I, a fellow named Oscar said that, I think. He? <laughs> he was there. <laughs> he was there. Uh, so, uh, so I think we got to... Uh, encourage people to use the kind of jokes and humor. If you're going to try to try to get other people to laugh, uh, do it in a way that shows us what we have in common. Do it in a way that respects the individual dignity and, and helps bolster somebody's self-worth and self-esteem. Oh my gosh, Steve, I think you just nailed it. I've never thought about it before, but I think the reason that comedy is so hard now is you just said, laugh at what we all have in common. 
And I think that all of a sudden we're living in a society where people don't feel like they have anything in common with other people. Oh my God. I think that was like, I just had a huge brain like explosion. It's just me. You know, the anthropologists, I'll just get back. Let me get a little academic here. The anthropologists who study this uh, believe that uh, laughter evolved maybe 40 or 50 or 60,000 years ago. That's an estimate. Uh, and that human beings, as we were coming out of the caves or coming down out of the trees, wherever we, we live, we didn't have language. We didn't have vocabulary. We had, we, we had facial expressions, we had gestures, and we made sounds uh, before we had language. And the anthropologists who study this are speculating that the smile and the laugh was a way of saying, you're safe here. You're welcome here. See this expression on my face? And somehow that's, that's, and that was the beginning. That's what somebody said, a, a laugh is a smile that bursts. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, we went from that. Uh, grunting and, and little bits of make, making noises and gesturing. You know, they tell us that the handshake uh, was a, uh, a symbolic way of saying, I don't have a weapon. I'll have an uh -huh. open hand. Uh, it, you're safe. See, you're safe with me. And the smile, which is the, which is the most recognizable human facial expression, you can... I don't know where they test this, but people are a thousand feet away, and you can tell whether the person is smiling or not. If they're not smiling, you may not be sure what the facial expression is, but a smile is so distinctive. It registers in the human brain. It's We get it. We relate to that. And uh, we look for a genuine smile, warm smile. Uh, there's also fake smiles and fake laughing. <laughs> hey, boss, you are so funny. Tell us another one. You know. <laughs> uh, but but that's not the real stuff. We want the genuine. We want the real want people to realize they're capable of it. They can enjoy it. There's many ways that they can get into it. Uh, and and that's what my talks, my workshops, my books uh, have been about. So, and, and and because uh, being a psychologist and a a long-time uh, educator of mental health professionals, uh, that, that's, that's kind of the slant that my work takes, the mental health aspects of humor and laughter. And uh, so uh, it's just so important. A person, well, a person without a sense of humor, you know, that, that's a rough way to go. That's yes, a hard it way is. to go. Yes, it is. is. They're usually found in the Senate and the House of Representatives. But if, uh, our, you know, as you said, our audience is baby boomers. Oh, thank you. That took you a while. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's just a lag. Yeah, there, there's something we all share in common. We all hate politicians. <laughs> well, we're suspicious of them. No, I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> it's hate. Definitely hate. <laughs> But if, if our baby boomer buddies out there want to find out more, perhaps want to go to one of your workshops, want to read one of your books, where can they find more information on the World Laughter Tour? There are three places I would tell people to look. One is that we have a website called worldlaughtertour.com. And it is a rich website. There's a shop with all kinds of 
ideas, materials, books, videos, things that would help you to have a sense of humor, all kinds of wonderful, worldlaughtertour.com. And I'm also the director, as it turns out, of National Humor Month, uh, which was started around 1976 by Larry Wilde, uh, a comedian who is uh, now retired and living in California. And he asked me... Yeah, a few years ago, Larry asked me if I would take over for him. It was getting to be too much for him. So my wife, Pam, and I have taken over Humor Month. April is Humor Month, the whole month from starting on April Fool's Day. Uh, and instead of having Humor Day or Humor Week, he I don't know how he got the idea, Humor Month, 30 days where we celebrate and appreciate the people who make us laugh, whether it's a professional comedian, uh, humorist, or your aunt. Tilly or your Uncle Fred, you know, whoever, whoever it is, people make you laugh. That's great. And we try to focus on that and celebrate that. I, and there's a project. Uh, it's free. We give it away uh, from humormonth.com. It's called Funny Literacy. How to use humor to help kids love to read. Ah, okay. And, have, and the program is there. You can download it. People can call me. We'll help them out with it. It's going on. Uh, librarians, teachers, parents, you know, around the country. Uh, and then uh, Pam and I started a nonprofit charity called the Laughter Arts and Sciences Foundation. And that has its own website, laughterfoundation.org. We raise money uh, and give grants. We've helped, I think, 60 people so far uh, with small but really dedicated projects to help people laugh to help people have more humor in their lives. There are so many people that want to do that, that want to help the world lighten up, uh, help people get along. Uh, we actually have a, a way that we think that uh, laughter and humor can, can contribute to world peace. Uh, we can get the world laughing for the right reasons at the right time. We're going to get along better, and the world is going to be better off. So laughterfoundation.org. Uh, if people need some help with a project, we've helped teachers. We've helped all kinds of people. Go look at those things. Uh, well, Laughter Foundation, you know, you may want to sponsor something like, oh, I don't know, a podcast like Another Day Above Ground where we make people laugh every week. And you may want to become one of our one of our sponsors and, and give us money. <laughs> you know, I was thinking the same thing. Oh, you, you, oh, might, wow. you, you might want to sponsor the foundation. Oh. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> we could do well and do good at the same time. There you go. And all we got to do is get paid. So, <laughs> well, you know, in, in the, at National Speakers Association, they, uh, the question has been asked over and over again do you have to be funny? to be a speaker? And the answer is only if you want to get, get paid. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, there's money and funny, uh, but it's got to be the right kind and the right time and finding your audience. You know, professional comedians are amazing because they have to find their audience. Uh, there's, there's no, somebody said there's two sure rules for making something funny. Unfortunately, nobody knows what they are. Uh, but uh, you have to find your audience. Everyone doesn't laugh. At it's different jokes for different folks. It's okay if somebody doesn't laugh at your joke. It just may not be their sense of humor. They're fine. You know, don't put them down. Don't. What's the matter with you? You don't have a sense of humor. That's abusive. 
That's called blaming the victim. Gee, I just hit you with a big insult, and I thought it was funny, and you're not laughing. What's wrong with you? Nothing. It wasn't funny to me. That's all. See, one of the secrets, and I'll divulge it today, that will get you a laugh every time is use of the word booger. No matter how many times you use it or where you use it, either written or said, booger is a good laugh getter. I'm going to write that down. Booger, B-O-O-G-E-R. Steve Wilson, thank you very much for joining us here on another day above ground. This has been great. We all try to bring more laughter to people because that's what uh, that's what makes us human. We're the only creatures that have the ability to laugh, and we need to do it some more. So, people, please go to worldlaughtertour.com and the other websites that Steve mentioned. Signed up for his classes. Learn how to laugh. We'll all be healthier, happier rather, and healthier. And uh, once again, Steve Wilson, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you, Tim. Nice meeting you. Love you guys. You're doing wonderful work. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. And that wraps it up for another episode of Another Day Above Ground. We're glad you joined us. And we ask you to please also visit our website, which just happens to be anotherdayaboveground.com. And there you can leave us a message. You can tell us what you'd like to hear. You can tell us if you'd like to be a guest on the show. Other than that, Carolyn, any last words for our, uh, for our audience? Well, Steve said something funny, and I, I kind of added to it. He said, well, there's money in funny, but there's bucks in writing. Big, big trucks, yeah. <laughs> yucks. Bucks yucks. in yucks. Yeah, yeah. Bucks in yucks. Clean it up. What's Carol. wrong with you Jeez. people? Holy Christmas. <laughs> and uh, Tim, any final words? Hey, you know what? I think it's a great idea, Ted, declaring April uh national humor month because uh we we gotta we gotta take one because the other 11 are already dedicated to things we're not allowed to laugh at (laughs) (laughs) and and for even more laughs i want to invite you to visit dale irvin irvin.com and you can sign up for the Friday Funnies, where every Friday in your mailbox you will receive a recap of the odder stories of that week's news in a written and video form. Other than that, I want you to go out, smile at people, laugh with people, have a wonderful day, because today is another day above ground. And that's it for another day above ground. For Dale, Tim, and Carolyn, I'm Farad Muhammad. Thanks for listening.